Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head over to patreon.com slash hour of devastation. A pledge to start from as little as one dollar. Thanks. Welcome to Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I've had better weeks, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Um You didn't crash your car, did you? <laughs> not again. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be pretty I mean that that is a habit I've gotten into. Um it's been almost exactly a year since I last got in a car accident. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm sure it's time soon. Um no, I just like <sighs> magic has been taking its toll on my mental health. Sure. Yeah, which is <sighs> not great. Um it's not something that I think people talk enough about. Yeah, agreed. I know we we did do an episode on on you know, sort of magic burnout. Um, it's quite a while ago now, but it's definitely a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, magic was the thing that I got into to sort of escape from things, and I think that's the reason a lot of people get into magic. It's like a thing that distracts you from stuff, right? Yeah, um, it's a thing to do while <laughs> your life is falling apart. Um, <laughs> which, like, I mean, that was certainly true for me at a certain point, but I think my relationship with magic has become a lot more healthy. But um, yeah, like this this last Friday at FNM, like I had a bad time, and like magic directly, like directly caused me to have a panic attack. Yeah, and that's not fun. That doesn't sound fun, no. No, I think I do want to. Not today, but I think at some point I do really want to explore that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, magic has been. A, like it's given me stability it's given me like a purpose sort of like something something that i can i feel committed to and something that i feel i'm good at um uh, and it's still a distraction from like you know things are going maybe not going great in my life so i get to play magic and i can just sort of forget about that for a few hours which isn't a healthy coping mechanism but i think it's a valid one at least um, yeah i agree but yeah to see that to, to like have it have the opposite and like directly cause me to feel bad and have a bad time uh it's not been great and that sort of like ruined my weekend kind of oh no yeah which which it's a real shame yeah it really is considering like magic has been like such a positive force in my life for like the entire time i played it pretty much like it's it's done a lot for me maybe like like i've made a lot of friends i've i feel like i've you know grown a lot as a person through playing magic and yeah yeah, it's just kind of i've I've had a bad time recently so that's that's kind of crap yeah, sorry to start the podcast with a downer. That's a real shame <laughs> to hear that. But I, I, I think it is definitely understandable. And yeah, I'm 100% down for doing doing an episode soon where we, we talk about the the realities of magic burnout. And I mean, it's not just something that happens with magic. It can happen with any hobby, I guess, really. But it is something that we do we do see from time to time, definitely. I know I have felt it myself at times, too. Yeah, and it feels like there's, you know, a lot of the time um, some fairly successful content creators or like people in the magic community will talk about it and like post about it on Twitter and it's like sort of seen as this big deal. And like it is a big deal for them to be, be so open and be so uh, sort of transparent about the experiences that they've had and, and, you know, negativity that's gone on in their life. But like it shouldn't be a huge deal to be like, oh, I'm having a bad time. Yeah, um, agreed. And like people have talked about it and it's like it gets a lot of attention for being a big, a big deal. Uh, I'm trying to word that where it doesn't sound like <laughs> where it doesn't sound, but I, th- I think my point comes across like it's it shouldn't like discussing magic or like having to take a break from magic maybe because it's not it's not doing well for you right now it shouldn't be like this thing where you just you have to announce it and it's all very somber and sad like it's just sort of yeah that's that's perfectly reasonable like if you need to take time away from this thing that 
because I mean, for me, magic is pretty much all-consuming. Like, it's the the only thing I care about <laughs> outside of like my partner, I guess. Um, yeah. Like, it, it genuinely, it legitimately like takes precedent over like basically everything else in my life. Um, so, like, if you need to take a break from that at some point, like, it shouldn't be this big sort of this this huge deal. Though I'm I'm grateful that it like it is that it gets a lot of like people talking about it get a lot of respect and get a lot of like people listen to it and take it seriously. Uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to start this podcast with such a downer. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's just reflective of me as a person. Um, but yeah, I played some magic and it made me feel bad. Uh, I imagine. That's, yeah, unfortunately, hear that. Yeah, it's. I'm, I mean, I'm okay now. I'm okay. Good. Good. I'm, I'm doing better. How was your week? Please let it be more positive than mine. I was kind of the complete opposite, to be honest. <laughs> Don't rub <remember> it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so uh obviously i couldn't talk about it last week um but uh i mean it kind of feels a bit pointless to talk about it now because by the time this goes out it will have already happened uh but i have been invited or i will have been depending on when you're listening to this uh to participate in the uh throne of eldraine exclusive streamer preview event for magic arena yeah it's Really unfortunate that the sort of the way that our podcast scheduling goes that we weren't able to sort of line up the announcement of this with a release of an episode because yeah. obviously the, the NDA prevented us from from talking about that kind of thing. Um, so it was, I think, I think literally as the last week's episode went up, you were allowed to announce it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> which was fairly unfortunate. But yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's it's, a, it's really really cool. Yeah, I still have no idea how or why I was was accepted and, and invited to come and do the stream, but I am super, super thankful and grateful for it, and I know it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, when you're listening to this, it was a lot of fun and wasn't a complete disaster. Yeah, I'm sure, I mean, I'll, I'll be there. I'll make sure it's a good yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Um, so yeah, I get to play with uh, all of the new cards from Throne of Eldraine, so it's going to be all of the new standard cards. Um I've got a few sort of standard brews that I want to play and it's going to be like a fully stacked account as well. So all of the cards are in there and you get loads of gems as well. So I'm going to do some, some limited too. Sweet. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I really, really can't wait. Uh, so in order to prepare for that, I have been doing a bit of streaming this past week, mm-hmm. getting used to my setup. And I think I've probably picked the best week to do it because it's been the week that Momia has been on arena and that is just it might just be Loki, my favourite format. Yeah, Momia has been a lot of fun to watch. It's so much fun. So I've I've played a lot of Momia on Magic Online, like probably like an unhealthy amount of Momia. Like I love it, <laughs> absolutely love it. <laughs> like generally one of my favourite like favourite formats. I don't talk about it much because I feel like it's one of those formats that isn't really a format, and not a lot of people have played it. Uh, but it's so much fun, and if you have a Magic Online account, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, uh, hates Commander, loves Momia. Uh, but yeah, the the experience on Arena is is quite different because obviously you don't have like the full range of creatures that you do on Magic Online. Uh, so it's it's just whatever cards that are sort of programmed into that format on Arena at the time, which has been most standard. And then they've added a few cards this time around. So they, they've had some of the new Eldraine cards. And then they've added like a load of, I guess, I guess they're called historic cards now, right? Uh, we don't know if they're in historic. We don't know yet. But no, I but... guess they're technically like historic-ish cards. Yeah, they're definitely they're some cards that 
may be added to the historic format at some point. Um, yeah, because it's been a strange mix of cards. Like I've definitely seen some cards from like you know like limited edition alpha beta, and then I've definitely seen there was a card. There's a card from antiquities in there as well. Colossus of Sarpedia is in there. Um, but then you've got like modern staples as well, like Grizzlebrand's in there, uh, Iona's in there. Uh, who else? We've got Ulamog. Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger's in there as well. Yeah, which is really strange. It's, they seem like weird inclusions. Yeah, definitely. I, I still haven't seen a list like of, of all the creatures that have been added. Like, I don't know if there is one somewhere, like whether Wizards have published one or someone's compiled one, but I've just had a load of fun like getting to like six mana plus and just seeing just what just bizarre creatures you get from all of all of magic's history really yeah i think there's a couple we know aren't in there yeah <laughs> yeah definitely that was the thing so uh you know one of the one of the games i decided we're gonna see if i can get all the way up to 15 and see if we can get an emrakul the hounds torn emrakul isn't in there unfortunately I managed to get all the way up to 15 lands and then discarded land activated momia and got nothing absolutely nothing yeah that was that was a sad moment it was it's I mean, also like it, it's also really like it doesn't arena doesn't tell you like oh you can't do anything would you like to not do this would you like to like not waste your entire turn yeah just discarding a card and not putting anything onto the battlefield would you like to say activate it for a different amount which <laughs> is like no just you do nothing you discard a card nothing happens and you pass the turn <laughs> yeah that was a <laughs> Oh, I learned the hard way that Amrakul is not in that Momia format. But on the flip side, I also learned the hard way that Ornithopter is also not in the format. Yeah, completely opposite end of Decided the spectrum. to activate a Momia for zero, and again, that just did nothing. All I did was discard a land to get nothing for it. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. Well, at the time, I feel like it's like the worst play you could make. Yeah, I mean, at least you could activate it again, right? It wasn't your only land that you discarded. Was it? You can only do it. You can only do it once. Oh, you can only do it once per turn. Ah. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I guess isn't so bad if you do it on like turn one. Yeah. And then, like, hopefully you get like a creature that will like draw you cards or draw you land. Like, so Bedlam Reveler was another one that they put in, and Bedlam Reveler is fantastic because usually at the point you cast Bedlam Reveler, all it does is discard zero cards in your hand and draws you three cards. Yeah, that's really good. I really hope that that is a card that they add to Historic. I like Bedlam Reveler a lot. Yeah, if these are the cards that are adding to Historic, it seems like a real weird mismatch of... It seems like Reanimator's going to be really good. Yeah, so I don't think like 100% these cards are locked in, but these are definitely the kinds of cards that they will they will put on there. Like They're obviously not going to be afraid to put Ulamog and Grizzlebrand in there, which is cool. It's cool to see. Yeah, it seems weird for them to have like, programmed in Grizzlebrand, Iona, Blazing Archon... Yeah. just like they wouldn't just code those in for Momir I'd assume just for people to find by accident I mean maybe yeah. they would wizards have done some strange things in the past um, but that I assume Grizzleband would probably be in historic oh you'd hope so you'd hope so yeah sweet so yeah it's been fun it's been great um, I think another thing that's been great is that we finally have the complete uh, complete spoiler for Eldraine now yeah, and you don't have a chance to ruin the game we, we play before, because I know all the cards now. Yeah, you know all the cards, you've seen every card. Uh, so there was one or two cards I do want to touch on this week. 
Yeah, sweet. Awesome. So first up, uh, I'm going to go for Fabled Passage. What does Fabled Passage do? Fabled Passage is a land. You can tap it, sacrifice Fabled Passage, search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Then if you control four or more lands, untap that land. Strictly better Revolving Wilds. Fetch lands back in standard. Yeah, so you they know, said it would never happen. This thing, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the problems with putting fetch lands in standard was the fact that it shuffled all the time. Yeah. So maybe they wouldn't put fetch lands in standard to avoid that kind of thing. It turns out I was wrong. Yeah, so I think famously Mark Rosewater posted on a, on his blog that that they didn't like the amount of time that it takes uh, for people that are constantly shuffling uh, with the fetch lands. And the, the, it's been sort of, I guess, in, in sort of public knowledge that fetch lands are something which Wizards of the Coast don't really want to put in the standard format again. But things can change. Like they also said, like they didn't want Elvish Mystic or Lanamore Elves back in standard. And, you know, we've spent the past year having Lanamore Elves in standard. Yeah, it's very true. So I think, I think that it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a good sign for Zendikar, I think. It's worth noting that this land probably isn't that good. Possibly, yeah. In the fact that, like, there's been formats where, there's been standard meta games where Evolving Worlds has been playable. Not, yeah. not like as the good fixing, but just like as a, like a two of just to get your colours or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't know. And it can't, obviously can't fetch dual lands or anything. And there are no dual lands to fetch, so it's just fetching basics. So I'm not sure how good it actually is. So I, I think it's going to be very playable in standard, um, given that we lose, you know, we lose some good dual lands. So I think the mana is going to be a bit more difficult now, probably a lot more difficult than it has been recently. So I think just having a place that a Fable Passage in your deck may actually help you a lot more than it kind of looks like on the surface. Um, another interesting thing I like about it is that it is it's potentially a fetch land in eternal formats to go get wastes for old Aussie decks. I mean, you can already it just, use, just looks for, for basic lands. You can already use Prismatic Vista for that, no? Uh, yes, but now you can have Prismatic Vista 5 through 8 if you need to. Sure. They enter a, 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 you untap it if you control four lands, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, sure. Yeah, or even it could just be like a more budget-friendly version of Prismatic Vista. Yeah. It's going to come in like £4 packs rather than like £8 packs. Remember when Prismatic Vista was meant to be the budget-friendly fetch land? Yeah. It was going to be like, oh, we'll just pick these up for Commander because it'll be good. And now it's like, what, $40 or something? Yeah, about that. Because it's really good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, I think this card is really cool. I'm really glad to see it here. I think it's going to see a lot of standard play, definitely. Cool. I, simply for the opposite take, I'm going to say that it's going to see very little standard play. Cool. And we'll see play to supplement other dual lands since we only have shock lands now. And the temples, I guess. Yeah. But it will just... And the the gates and the... comes in tapped gain of life cards. Well, but no one's going to play those. I hope we don't have to. I mean, I think this is probably better than a this is certainly better than a guild gate uh in most decks yeah i think like unless you're playing gates yeah i think <laughs> um, five, five color gates probably just becomes a deck again 
Yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, I think I don't think this will be good. I think it will be playable, which isn't essentially the opposite take of yours. Yeah, but it's you know close enough. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So another card I want to talk about uh, is Brazen Borrower. Ooh, hell yeah! That is one blue blue for a fairy rogue. It's a three one with flash and flying, and Brazen Borrower can only uh, can block only creatures with flying. Uh, also, it has an adventure, so one and a blue for an instant, uh, petty theft. You can return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. Now, if you were to give a rarity to this card, yes, what would you choose? Uh, I so I I think because it has that the adventure tagged onto it, I would give it a rare. Without the adventure, I would definitely give it a, an uncommon. Okay, and what is the rarity of this card? This is a blue mythic. Of course it is. Yeah. I don't really understand why it's a mythic. It doesn't yeah. feel mythic. Like, the, the adventure thing, like, there are common adventure cards. Yeah, absolutely. And a three... Like, a three mana three one with flying and flash doesn't feel mythic. Yeah. It also has a downside, because it can only block creatures with flying. Yeah, so it can't even block, like, the elks that you make with Oko. Yeah, it, I don't understand... I mean, I think this conversation has been had, but why? Why yeah. is this a mythic? So yeah, I I think I mean I've I've seen a few theories posted around, and I I think I do agree with one of them that um, perhaps like when this card was was in design, it had some sort of uh, like bribery clause on it. Oh sure. So okay. like, or maybe like the adventure was like in a bribery place. So like when it comes into play. Uh, you gain control of target creature with converted mana cost three or less, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like otherwise, like why is it called Brazen Borrower? Like it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with borrowing. Yeah, that's true. The art's like a fairy stealing some keys, right? Or something. It's it's stealing like a, like a big potion bottle, yeah. Sure, and sure, sure. All the, like the nice, the nice masterpiece version, for want of the correct term, is is, uh, <laughs> is holding the keys. But yeah, I, I just I don't know why it's called Brazen Borrower. It just feels like a miss on like every single level. So I think the you know the theory that oh it must have had some sort of like bribery effect on it. That's got to be true, right? I mean, I don't know because there's like there's nothing like 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 yeah like the borrower assumes that you're taking something and you're at least gaining control of it until the end of turn. I don't know. I mean, but. Nothing on this card does that. It's just saying I'll return target permanent to an opponent's hand. I mean, fairies are really small, right? Yeah. And, like, borrowers are really small, right? That is true. They're like tiny people. So, maybe it's a reference to the fictional... (laughs) Maybe it's just a reference to the borrowers. (laughs) I mean, we've got references to basically everything else. (laughs) Yeah, but, 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 like, this the card does the opposite of borrowing it gives the permanent back to the player yeah i do want to make sure that you know that i'm joking and i don't actually think it's named after like i know this, the, this, the, this, borrowers. Uh, the, the card just annoys me so much because it feels like I, I think i've just kind of like fully convinced myself that oh it must have had it must have had additional text that has been removed and they've just kept it a mythic because they needed a mythic have you been exploring r slash tinfoil magic no, but if that is not yet a subreddit, uh, <laughs> we'll be in about an hour's time. Yeah, you should definitely be the founder of that subreddit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I understand yeah. your point. I understand. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't feel like a mythic. Like it kind of feels like it could be an uncommon. 
like just about and you compare it to like the other mythics in this set <laughs> it just it doesn't seem to fit all this aside it does feel like a very good card it like it seems yeah i think i think it seems fine i just just don't know why don't know why it's a mythic i don't know why i can only block creatures with flying and yeah i feel like in in a format that is like it's going to be absolutely dominated by teferi time raveler or not necessarily dominated but the format is going to be warped around teferi time raveler like having a three one with flash isn't really going to do anything like that flash is just going to be irrelevant a lot of the time yeah, I think it's a combination of like the tempo swing of bounce your thing, and also then I have access to this three one fire with flash that can just start bashing in in the same way. Yeah. Like it, it, I guess I guess they play a Teferi on three, and then you bounce it with this, and then they play a Teferi on turn four, and you <laughs> you play a fairy at sorcery speed. You smack it for three. Like I don't know. Obviously, it's not. It, it feels it, it's reminiscent of Vendillion Click, right? Because it's one blue blue for a three one flying fairy, um, and I feel it's it plays similarly to Vendillion Click in that it's just like you get the value off the bounce thing, so that's the same as like the the Thoughtseize effect. Yeah, and then it's a three one flying threat, so it kind of yeah. feels it kind of feels like that. No, it's just it's just not like comparing it to Vendillion Click just makes me sad because if we could have had Vendillion Click instead of this, I would I would. Yeah, that's the timeline I want to live in. Well, where this is where... Parts... Where this is just Vendillion Click, yeah. Sure, sure. But, I mean, v- Vendillion is a reference specifically to Lawland, right? Okay, bra- Brazen. <laughs> Brazen Borrower enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hand. You may choose a card choose a card and exile that card. You may cast that card as long as Brazen Borrower is on the battlefield. Yeah, that sounds more like what it was like. Or, like, bounce target. Per- and you make it opponent as well, so you can't have that awkward thing of, like, click, and then your opponent reveals their hand, and you go, no, click myself. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> I think, like, in terms of, like, what the card text is, I think at some point it may be said, return target non-permanent to its owner's hand, you may cast that card, or, like, that's... The, the adventure is... I don't know, not like a rock, but you can't cast it if it's returned to his hand, right? Obviously. Yeah. But, like, yeah, like, exiled target creature, you may cast it. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I think that's that might just be my invitational card, though. Like, that, that one that I've just thought of. Like, click you, but exile the card, and then I may cast it as long as this is on the battlefield. It's not very good. I like that. Yeah, I mean, that's probably similar to what it... It just feels weird that they didn't just rename it. I guess maybe they'd already yeah. commissioned the art, so it kind of it had to do something. Like, because if it's like stealing a, a vial of potion or a key or whatever, then Brazen Borrow makes sense. And obviously, they've already commissioned the art by this time, and maybe and it's already locked in the mythic. Maybe they just yeah. This is a real real tinfoil hattery. I can really get <laughs> get behind our like set review episodes if they're just this kind of chat. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> just like why why is this card this instead of this? Maybe it's Maybe it should have been this. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think because playable, though, I think it's probably going to be like a blue-green or bant flash deck. I think that's really quite playable after um, after rotation with the the uh, whatever the green wolf thing's called, the pack thing. Yeah, that one. That one, that's pretty good in Arena. Best of one at the moment. Man, it'd be really good if we, like, you know, as a Magic the Gathering podcast, knew what Magic the Gathering cards were for. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Especially ones that have been sadly legal for several months. 
yeah. <laughs> so this next card, I do know the name of. Excellent. This next card is Hushbringer. That is one and a white for a one-two uh, creature. It's a fairy. It has flying lifelink and creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. Right. I uh, I love this card. I want to own this card. I want to play it because I like playing white in all formats. I like playing like creature decks and this is very, very good. Uh, the art. We have to talk about the art. Yep. We absolutely have to talk about that art. Yeah. Um, the art's strange. The art doesn't look like a magic card. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on the art, and yeah. I think a lot of the opinions went a bit too far. And a lot of people were just straight up slagging this card off over Twitter. And yeah. a lot of those people had a lot of reach on Twitter, had a lot of followers, it was retweeted a lot, it was interacted with a lot. Um, first of all, there was art direction for this card. So this is clearly something that someone at Wizards wanted, in some respect. Like, it, 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 they didn't just accidentally come up with this sort of... Yeah. If you don't, if you haven't seen the art, go look at the art. <laughs> it's, it's, it's certainly interesting, it is. It is. It 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 is something else. I think. I think that's the issue. I think it's. It's like. It's like nothing we've. I don't know. Like I don't want to say it's like nothing we've ever seen before because there are some very strange magic art. Uh, but it's like nothing we've seen recently. Uh, it doesn't look like it's done in the same medium as like other cards in the set. It's. It completely stands out. I. So my my personal theory, well, sorry, my, my personal opinion on on the card is that I think, I think the art's fantastic. I really like the art. At first, I really didn't like it being on a magic card, but now I really like it being on a magic card because it just reminds me of like, just like the art of like old. You look at like the early sets, and you'd you'd have like, you know, Rob Alexander's beautiful beautiful dual hands in the same set as like, just some bizarre like folio comic art and it just it's just kind of one of those things that like, we don't really see this really sort of odd out there art anymore and i think this is kind of like the modern take on that and i'm 100 percent for it yeah the the art makes me uncomfortable yeah <laughs> like honestly it does and i don't i don't ugh, i don't know it's 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 hard to say I don't I don't like something without sounding negative but i just thought there was a lot of being like like taking the piss out of this art and it was on Twitter, and someone, you know, made this and was very proud of it, probably. And, you know, there was art direction for it, and they probably followed that. And just, like, going off on Twitter about how terrible his art is uh, isn't a good look for most people. And to be yeah. fair, like, when I first saw it, I was taking the piss out of it, and I was making jokes and stuff like that, and, like, it's not... I don't know. I'm looking too far into it. If people don't like something, that's fine, but just, like, constantly going on about, about Twitter and making jokes about it, it's like... Just kind of feels bad, you know. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And I, I think a lot of people had that sort of reaction because it is so different to what we're used to uh, from, from a piece of art on a magic card. But I, I've definitely spent a lot of time over the past week thinking about this card and, and the art of this card. And I've, for me, it does feel very much like that kind of throwback to the past, where you would have a complete mishmash of of art in, in a set for whatever reason and. Yeah, I, I think I love it. I think I do. Yeah, it's, it's I'm still really not 100% sold on the weird halo of lips. <laughs> like, if that wasn't there, I think it would be, like, objectively better. But, I don't know. It's it's, it's certainly out there. Yeah, definitely. It's I mean, it's, it's very well done. I think the fairy itself oh, yeah. looks sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. But I just think the, the immediate tirade of this is horrible 
just like yeah, definitely and I, I do one thing I, I do think as well is that the conversation around the art has completely overshadowed the conversation about the card and I think I think the card itself is absolutely fantastic and we'll be seeing a lot of standard play yeah I think it's going to probably play in like eternal formats as well this is definitely modern legacy playable yeah um, I know some decks are playing stuff like to cut the honor guard yeah, yeah and like talk rubbish effects but this also stops um I don't know, like, it stops death triggers. That's certainly important. Yeah. That's certainly a thing. Uh, this it's also, it's a 2-1, right? Uh, it's a 1-2. A 1-2, uh, no. How's lifelink? That's something. Yeah, flying and lifelink, definitely something. Mm-hmm. I think very much the, uh, like, the creatures dying don't cause abilities to trigger is going to be a big thing. Um, it's like, we're seeing some, some knight, knight decks that take advantage of, like, their creatures dying with, like, Judith and... Uh, it's it's this card's definitely going to be a, at the worst like a sideboard staple for standard. Yeah, absolutely. It's really sweet. Uh, yeah, it's a yeah. shame that 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 talk, like you said, because it's overshadowed the, how good this card is. I'm very excited to <laughs> to play with this card. It's really good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that was they were sort of like the just the couple of cards I wanted to highlight from the set that we've we've seen uh, since we we did an episode last week that I think are really cool. I mean. Talking about Hushbringer specifically, yeah. Why can't they just print Containment Priest? I I honestly don't know. Like maybe we'll see it in like Theros. I I feel at some point like we just need we need Containment Priest. Like it 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 won't ever be that great in Standard, and I don't know. It might not even be that good in Modern anymore. But it would just be cool to have it in the Modern format. It's just like. They're willing to print these weird hate bear specific cyborg cards for yeah, which it, which are like almost certainly designed for eternal formats more than they are for standard. Yeah, yeah. So containment priest just seems like a good card to print. All right, it's not even expensive anymore since it was printed in uh, UMA. So I don't yeah, know. it's 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 not necessarily expensive, but I, I think it is a good card, and it would be it would be nice to see it in modern. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I, I think maybe thematically, like you, you could probably understand why. It's not in this set, but I think you could probably argue it for it being in Theros. I think it'd be sweet in this set. You could have them like drawing like a circle of protection, right? Yeah, yeah, like I guess a, so, a yeah. Cleric... like a fairy ring. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah, I guess contemporary priest isn't a fairy, but like something like a fairy ring, like a circle of protection around a certain part that like protects them from the from the wilds, you know? Yeah. And from all that yeah, stuff. That would be cool. It would have been fine. Like for all the people saying that Stoneforge Mystic was going to be in the set, the <laughs> <laughs> um, multitude of reasons no. why that was wrong. Like containment priests would definitely fit in the set, like flavorfully yeah. and just generally, I don't know. I'm getting too hung up on containment priests. I don't even play that card. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just seems like the winning to print like white hay bear cards. And I don't think containment priest does much for standard. Yeah, agreed, definitely. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it'll be in Theros. Like, if I have to make a, you know, a completely uncalled for baseless speculation, then yeah, sure, it'll be in Theros. There we go. It'll be one of the priests helping, or at least trying to contain the dead in the underworld as they as they escape. I mean, wasn't one of your baseless takes from a few weeks ago that it would be in not a few weeks ago, a few months ago that it would be in Modern Horizons? Yeah, but cool. we all thought Force of Will was going to be in Modern Horizons. No, we didn't all think. 
you and I, I both thought, <laughs> and literally no one else thought. Se- that. Several of us successful <laughs> magic content creators. <laughs> yes, yeah, including us. Yeah, yeah. This is this is why you've been invited to do the uh, the early access stream. Because <laughs> I thought the force of will was going to be in modern horizons. Because of these excellent <laughs> professional podcasting takes. Fantastic. Sweet. So yeah, Eldraine is looking absolutely fantastic. However, it's not all. It's not all good news about Eldraine. It never is. It never is. We can never just be just be all sunshine and rainbows. Wait, 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 wait. It's looking a bit. Wait. It's looking a bit grim. Oh, nice, nice. Thank you, thank you. That's it's, grim it's, with yeah. grim with two M's. In case you're nice. wondering. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Please carry on. <laughs> So another thing that was announced last week was the Throne of Eldraine Deluxe Collection. That sure sounds like something I want to own. Yeah, it does, doesn't it, right? Mm. So the Throne of Eldraine Deluxe Collection is a special premium uh, Throne of Eldraine collection set. In it, it's a premium box. You get 16 Throne of Eldraine collection boosters. Uh, one themed binder, which is really nice. Uh, it's like a like a full leather grey binder with like the purple planeswalker symbol on it and some like brambles and stuff it's, it's a really nice binder you get one foil garrick cursed huntsman borderless planeswalker card uh, you get one art print of the borderless garrick cursed huntsman you get one non-foil version of the buyer box kenrith the return king uh, you get one three by three card strip from a foil rare or mythic sheet of eldraine and you get uh, one Magic Arena Mega Code card, which grants you a digital Garrick Exquisite Sleeve, uh, and one copy of each of the following cards, plus a style card for each card. Uh, Garrick Cursed Huntsman, Charming Prince, Magic Mirror, Witch's Vengeance, Mungrusher Giant, and Cresting Beast. Uh, you get all of that for a interesting price of $449.99. Yeah. Is it interesting? 400 and $49.99. I think I'd be okay with it. Not okay with it. I'd be more okay with it if it was $419.99. Yeah, or if it was just $420, exactly. Like No. They, they, can, they can have that extra penny. <laughs> or maybe if it was like, I don't know, $200? Or maybe if it was like, didn't exist? Or, you know, maybe we should stop doing this and stop creating stupid ridiculous expensive products that no one really wants to buy but then people can buy them and make loads of money off them and it just makes Wizards of the Coast loads of money maybe we should stop doing that or uh, yeah, sell it for £69 or $69 or whatever $420.69 exactly it's a perfect price it's, then I'd be okay with that I wouldn't care about this like yeah so obviously we've seen we've seen them I guess push I guess push the limit of like or at least attempt to push the limit of where they can put the ceiling on like the, the the price of something like this like obviously we saw we saw them do it for masters first really well i guess i guess really like master sets were kind of like the first thing to really do it they introduced like the premium booster as like an annual thing as like a regular thing something that we were to expect and then ultimate masters really pushed the price on that and then modern horizons was like oh hey the supplementary sets that you used to Here's the here's this again, but now it costs twice as much. And then the mythic editions were a thing, and it just seems to be like they're they're just pushing and pushing and pushing just to see how high they can go and find the ceiling on this box. And 
Oh, $449.99 is a lot of money for 16 packs of Magic cards. But I don't even think this is the ceiling. Yeah, I agree. I think the thing with Master Sets before it, it's just that they were actually a useful product. They introduced cards yep. uh, to... Well, not introduced, but like reintroduced cards to the... I'm trying to word this where I don't sound like an idiot. Um, <laughs> reintroduced cards into like circulation. That's yeah, the word I was looking for. <laughs> the word circulation. And it you know gave us cheaper Tarmogoyfs and it gave us cheaper whatever, 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 whatever. You're like, yeah, yeah. It's a way to, to get more more cards, more desirable cards into more players' hands. Thank you for succinctly putting in about three seconds while I stumbled through for half a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it, you know, the original Modern Masters was released to sort of push the modern format, right? It had a purpose, yeah. um, and it was, you know, a product that was sort of worth that money, but it also didn't break the bank, right? Like, it wasn't it was more expensive than normal booster prices, but it wasn't incredibly expensive. Yeah, definitely. And this is an absurd yeah. amount of money to pay for a magic product. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I literally couldn't afford this. And that, I'm yeah. not saying that I should be able to afford this, or like, I don't want to be able to afford this, I don't care. Like, this isn't, if I had this amount of money, I wouldn't buy this. But it just seems like such an absurd price tag to put on it, and I don't... I want to be I don't know, I, I want to think the best of Wizards and think that they aren't doing this for the wrong reasons, that they aren't doing this nefariously if you know what I mean Yeah, but all the evidence points to the fact that this is just something they're doing to make a crap ton of money Yeah, and uh, I, I think I, I agree with you there so obviously like they're a company and they want to make money to keep being a company like that is that is a thing. That is a thing they're allowed to do. They make money. They still exist as a company. They still make magic. That's that's good. That's great. That keeps us all in the game. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know what the long term effect of just having these like really high end faux collectibles are going to be because it's 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 like anything that has limited edition or collector's edition or or whatever on the box. Like they end up not kind of being like the things that like real collectors are interested in it's usually like they they're printed far far excessively and they just don't don't have that whatever that collectible you know that that secret collectible thing is that that makes people kind of like go after these these things and yeah i just i just think that that price point is just far too much for most people yeah, I like that comparison to what makes things actually collectible. So, like yeah. things that collectible magic are, are like reserveless cards or old printings of cards, or yeah, you know, the, what is collectible magic has sort of been decided by the magic community by people that randomly collect yeah. things. Like some people want it, want foil cards, some people want cards in a certain language, certain people want certain borders of cards or certain printings, and that yeah, it's it's like cool. Sorry to, to cut you off there, but like. I think it's it's like cool collectible things or things like like you open a pack of of Japanese War of the Spark and there's an old art planeswalker in there, or you open a booster pack and there's an expedition whatever land in there. They're cool, interesting collectible things, not this box that just has collector's edition written on it that you you're charging more than some people's rent for. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. 
yeah, that's yeah, that's more than I've paid in rent before for a box yeah. of magic cards and a binder. Hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's sixteen it's sixteen boosters, a binder. Like it's they said part of an uncut sheet, but it's not an uncut sheet because it's a sheet that has been cut up. Yeah, it's three by three, right? And yeah, it's a three by three strip like part of a sheet and an arena code or two. Some fancy pixels. Yeah. That's for like get. pretty much pretty much what it costs to live in my house for a month. Yeah, that's absurd. When you put it in like in that perspective, especially, like it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. It's just that's I, yeah. The point. It's just because you say, as the person that's making this product, that this is special and collectible, doesn't really make it special collectible. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, like putting the expeditions in because, like, with expeditions or with like uh, Japanese World of Spark things, it was something that anyone could attain. Yeah. While just doing something they would normally do, like buy a booster pack, and buying a booster pack is you know an attainable amount of money to spend on a certain thing. Yeah, but this is just straight up buying an expensive thing. It's like, okay, you bought an expensive thing and it has value. Like that's not that doesn't make it collectible. It just makes it a thing you spent a lot of money on, and it's. I mean, I'm sure these these things are worth the money, right? I'm sure you probably would be if you sold the individual things, you'd probably get about the same amount of money back. Yeah, it, like if you run the numbers on it, then like it's probably good if you if you want to like if you want to buy this. Like purely just to make money from splitting it up and selling the individual individual pieces, then that is something you can definitely do. But again, that that cuts out a large chunk of people that aren't going to be able to afford to do that because of that high buying price. Yeah, people can't afford to buy this. So who is this for? Who is this for? I think this this is for this is this is for their. I mean, I I hate using the term, but it's the. I guess the common term is whales. It's the people who just it's it's a, a few a few people who will just spend a lot of money constantly on on whatever the whatever the product is. So it's it's a very small demographic, but they know that demographic is going to buy literally whatever they put out at whatever price point they put it at. Yeah, I've also heard that Welsh people are big into collectible magic product. Yeah, that was uh, a. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's an industry term that I I kind of despise, and I, I think it's it's pretty disgusting to have that, that. I mean, I don't think Magic do it, but certain video game companies definitely do it. Where like they they have like whales, quote unquote, like their their target audience. Like they manipulate things in their games to uh, to make them addictive to get to you know, catch these whales for want of a better term to get these people pumping money into it continuously, continuously, and their games sort of survive solely just on the the ludicrous amounts of money that these people feel like they have to pump into these games. And I don't think Magic is is anywhere near that yet, but I think this this slew of product after product at this higher, you know, high end collectible price point could be leading down a horrible path like that. I mean, I certainly think feel like that's a facet of magic anyway. I certainly feel that pressure just as a person that... I mean, I don't even directly contribute to Wizards of the Coast that much. Like, I almost exclusively buy things on the secondary market. 
Yeah. But I really feel that's a facet of the game that I've been part of and I feel obligated to buy cards and, and constantly keep up to date with things. So, like, if you get to tap into that market of people that feel like me but also have a seemingly bottomless pits of cash, then I guess it's a reasonable thing for coming to do. I'm like, yeah, the point earlier would be like, sure, they get to make loads of money, which means they get to continue to make the game, but that's definitely a good thing. I'm not one of these weird people that seem to think that I don't want the company that makes the thing I like to stop making money. Yeah, same. Because that's certainly been a take people have had in the past about certain things, about the Mythic Edition, being like, why are they doing this? was like, well, yeah, because they get to make money, and then if they have money, they can pay their employees, and they can buy things, and they can improve their product, and then you get to keep buying the product, and having the product, and enjoying this thing that you enjoy. It just seems so expensive for so little. Yeah. And we don't really know the secondary market value of, like, the collector's boosters, or like the cards from the collector's boosters. I mean, we can guess, right? But quite probably yeah i think that's that's the thing that really sets this apart from the mythic editions like we saw in the mythic editions oh you know you're going to get a couple of packs of the set but then you're going to get these special packs that are going to have these planeswalker cards in and then you know that a handful of these planeswalker cards in each set are format staples that are highly highly desirable so you know they're going to be worth x amount whereas you're right with, with this like 16 booster packs 16 collector boosters that like might just end up containing full art bulk res yeah that's certainly a possibility yeah I mean this thing with the whole collector packs like just because you said it's collectible doesn't mean it's collectible yeah I don't know like I, I like foils and full arts and stuff but it feels less special when I can just they all just come in the same pack you know yeah like, foils, foils are nice when you just accidentally open one or like you have to pay a premium on them because they're something that's rare, but it's like you're paying a premium on these because they're already expensive. Like if I want to buy a foil, full art, whatever, I don't know the specifics. I don't think anyone knows the exact specifics of what's in these collector yeah. boosters. But if I want to buy um, a premium card for my, for, for a commander deck or something like that, or it's a card I want to own, then I'm paying that premium because there's already a premium set on it by wizards, not because it's a special card or, or it's actually collectible. It's just yeah. it's, it already comes from an absurdly expensive booster pack, therefore it's expensive. It's not desirable, and therefore I'm wanting to pay a premium. You know? Yeah, I, I agree definitely. I ultimately the market will dictate the value of, of the cards in the set, but I, yeah, I, I can't imagine we're going to see anything anything outstanding. Like it's definitely not going to be anything like the Mythic Edition. It's not going to be anything like Ultimate Masters or Modern Horizons. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think. So the, this this project booster fund thing, I think it's it's something that sounds it probably sounded very good in like a like a boardroom meeting. I mean, project booster fund sounds horrible, just as a name for a thing. Yeah, but the uh, the, the concept of having you have different types of boosters and the boosters are for four different things, uh, and if you want to open, you know, super exciting boosters with super awesome cool foil cards in every pack you're going to buy these special boosters i think it's going to the the fun element of that is going to wear out very quickly in the as far as like collectors packs go uh but i don't know maybe it'll have like an adverse effect like maybe like whenever you open a special card in like a regular draft booster it'll be more exciting because you, you know you're not you're not expecting it to show up in that booster but you know if you just buy this 20 pound booster it'll probably be in that booster i just don't really understand because the people that 
the people that collect these things don't normally buy the packs, right? Like the the buzz and the fun and sadly the serotonin of buying booster packs and getting good cards from them wears off very quickly. It's just that it's it's like for enfranchised players, for the kind of players that are gonna be willing to spend twenty pounds on a magic product or like a single booster pack, that 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 novelty wore off quite quickly and we just buy the cards yeah. we want, we we buy the singles. So maybe we occasionally buy a booster pack, but it's like I'm gonna be much less likely to buy a single booster pack every now and again if it's twenty pounds. Yeah, definitely. And I just don't understand why this this collector thing is like who does that appeal to? Does it appeal to people who just have more money who are only just in the game because they want it? like if you want a special full art or like extended order or a foil card that you can only get from these collector packs, then just buy it. Why are you spending yeah. this much money to just open them? Yeah, I do think a lot of it just just very much it probably just comes from Hasbro and it, it it kind of mirrors what you see in like the video games world where you see whenever there's a new video game released now there are multiple versions of that game there's the regular one and then there's the collector's version and there's the, the day one special edition and then there's the the special edition plus season pass and it's like you can't just release like a single product anymore you have to have about eight different versions of that one product and I think this this kind of mirrors that in a way but I, I think I think it's, it's going to be a very different thing or at least a very, very different feeling here because because magic is kind of a unique hobby in the way that when you when you have a magic collection like it it has value it has some actual monetary value it has resale value it has a lot higher resale value than most other hobbies do Whereas it's you, know, you buy a video game, like even if you're buying like the special £100 collector's edition of the game, like you're not expecting to get 70% of that when you trade it in. Whereas with Magic, like on average, you're going to get about 70% on your cards when you sell them back. Yeah, Germany, I think that's one of, one of the ways I justified Magic to myself is that at any point I can just cash out and be generally cash neutral. Yeah, or like have a reasonable amount. But like, I, I, I will have something to show for it, you know. Absolutely. As opposed to something like, um, like Warhammer, where you essentially ruin the product <laughs> unless you're really good. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's people making a living off painting Warhammer, but yeah, or like, yeah, like anything, like video games, books, like films, whatever. Like, let's say you you've pumped like thousands of pounds into like a DVD collection. Like, yeah. none of them are going to be worth anything. Like, you can't like sell your DVDs for like anywhere close to that whereas like you drop a grand on magic cards and you know you're probably going to get the worst you'll probably get like 500 pounds for them yeah absolutely that's the thing that's always in the back of my mind being like okay well if, if things really go wrong my hobby my the things i spent my money on i have something to show for them you know yeah and I, yeah i definitely just feel like these these collector boosters like you're just you're just not going to get the value in the in the cards and i i think the I think the the price of like around twenty pounds, whatever it is, for like for one of those packs, is probably right for like a sealed pack. But I just feel like you're gonna have a bad time if you open them. Yeah, probably. I mean, for someone, I I think I didn't have as much of a problem with the collector boosters when they were first announced. Yeah, I think I I may I very much specifically have a problem with this deluxe edition or whatever, yeah, whatever it's called because it's just so it's just such a lot of money for something. Yeah, that I think isn't worth it. I think ultimately that it is. It's it's just a a copy of what what goes on in, in the video games industry, but I just don't think that's going to translate very well to magic at all. No, not at all. I mean, there's people that are willing to. That's the thing. It's a it's a because at least if you buy the deluxe edition, that's what it's called, right? 
it is, yeah. At least if you buy that. The deluxe collection. Sure. At least if you buy that bit, like you said, there is resale value, and you'll probably make money on it, honestly, after a certain amount of time. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, straight off, if you buy if you buy that, like, straight off, you, you just can make money. If you sell those packs at market price, sell the binder, uh, sell the sheet for whatever you can, like, you, you will make... You will you will make more than you paid for it definitely. And that's the thing, like they're capitalising on the fact that there's some people that will spend, you know, nearly a grand on a games console, or and, and their game collection on their computer or whatever that will have no resale value or very little resale value. Yeah. And they're they're capitalising. Yeah, yeah. People are willing to spend like a hundred pounds on a special edition of Gears of War Five. Like, there's definitely people out there that who are willing to spend this much money on something that they'll still get money back from. So yeah. I understand it. I understand where it's coming from. I just think it's a heinous amount of money for, like, I don't know. You, you can't even build a deck out of it. Like, if you open 16 colors, you can't build a deck, can you? It's not like... Nope. It's just, it's... This product doesn't feel like it's for anyone, apart from people that are willing to spend a lot of money on Magic. And those people already had stuff to buy, because, you know, there's so much Magic product to spend your money on anyway. Yeah. We could talk about this all day and go around in circles, I feel. We could, yeah. So I, I personally would not recommend buying the Throne of Eldraine Deluxe Collection, uh, even if if like if somehow you can afford like buying it just to sell. Like I wouldn't even do it. Like I wouldn't, I couldn't justify, you know, partnering with that money, giving that money to wizards and saying, hey, like essentially you're saying, hey, it's okay to do this. Please keep doing this. And while, while I think there certainly is a market for premium collectibles i think stuff like this at such a high price i i think this is definitely where i draw the line yeah i agree i think i think that's where i stand with it as well i think that's pretty much all we have time for this week uh if you want to get in touch and let us know what you would rather spend 450 dollars on than throne of eldraine deluxe collection you can hit us up on social media. Uh, on Twitter, we are at HFDCast, facebook.com slash HFDCast. Or you can get at us on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash Hour of Devastation. If you've enjoyed anything you've heard in today's episode or enjoyed my stream uh, that I will have done by the time this goes out, uh, you can check us out on there. Uh, anything we get, we get is just, just massively appreciated and goes straight back into, into the show. Uh, tiers start from as little as $1. It's roughly 20 to $0.25 cents per episode. And there are several perks and exclusive content on there. Go check it out and see if it's for you. Yeah, there's also going to be a special $449.99 tier. <laughs> where, that is that the, uh, the Ducks Deluxe Collection tier? Yeah, where I personally travel to your home and slap you in the face. <laughs> yeah that that option's exclusively for the whales out there no you can buy it in the rest of the uk as well yeah that is true that is true <laughs> uh, hopefully you saw some of my stream and enjoyed it uh, if you did you can get at me on my own personal social media on twitter i'm at peach garden oaf uh, that's oaf of an f of facebook.com i am joe loudon you'll find me in pretty much any of the magic groups uh, come say hi uh, it's I don't know. I was going to say like it was super cool to do the stream, but I haven't done it yet, so it's, it seems really weird saying that. But I'm sure it will be an awesome time. Uh, I am currently in the process of making some YouTube content as well. Uh, I did invest in a green screen, so that's something I, I own now, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. What's a hell of an investment? Yeah. Does that have any resale value? 
I who knows, but it's I mean, it's definitely been worth the money I've spent on it so far. It's fantastic. I just I just have to resist the urge to like remake scenes from Star Wars. That is an urge you should absolutely give in to. That's fantastic. It's, it's something I can do. Oh, maybe we could like remake bits of like the uh remember like the old like magic trailers for like Ice Age and stuff. That's definitely some content that's worth subscribing for. Yeah, maybe maybe that's gonna have to maybe that's gonna have to be a thing. But yeah, go ahead and look for my my YouTube channel. I guess it feels weird saying that because it's a bit defunct at the moment. But yeah, on YouTube I am also Peach Garden Oaf. That's Oaf of an F. You can find me there too. And now that I've rambled on about my own social media for about five minutes, where can they find you, Sam? Yeah, the the social media section of this podcast gets longer and longer every week. I swear. <laughs> Hashtag content creator. Hashtag sponsored. You can find me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. Thank you. I swear you leave that longer every week. And I'm worried <laughs> that you're not going to say it. I'm just going to sound like an idiot by leaving a massive break. Uh, <laughs> you can also follow me on Twitch at snail69. Nice. Thanks. We, I'll, I'll get round to it. I promise. Things have been happening, you know? Life gets in the way. It does. It does. Maybe I'll just never bother streaming, you know, having invested in a new computer and set everything up. Just so I can keep making this joke every week. <laughs> it's not even a joke; it's just my life. Um, uh, that is pretty much the only place you can find me. Uh, please don't talk to me on Facebook. Awesome. So once again, we are approaching the second hour. The Godfire has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation. Mm-hmm.